Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 411 Ground and Pound MMA podcast, your weekly look into the wide, wacky, wonderful world of mixed martial arts. I am Robert Winfrey. I am your host. On the docket this evening, we have a review of last night. UFC was on ESPN again. They were in the city of Minneapolis, and they had a card that I said on paper looked pretty solid and turned out in practice was pretty solid. So we'll go over most of the, we'll go over all of that. Uh, this coming fight week will be International Fight Week. The UFC is having uh, their next pay-per-view, UFC 239 from Las Vegas, because International Fight Week is always done in Las Vegas. And uh, it's a pretty decent card. It's, it's a really, really solid card in a lot of respects, but it is also International Fight Week. And, well, we can go over a little bit of the history of that from the last couple of years if you're also inclined, but... Something bad always happens, uh, so we're going to have to be on the lookout for that. And then uh, a little bit of news. I mean, nothing, not a whole lot of stuff. The UFC announced some fights, a few cards kind of got finalized, maybe not bout orders, but uh, specific fights. Uh, MMA is now going to be legal in a, at least France, uh, so we'll go over a few other things. I don't think there's a whole lot of news, but who knows? Crazy stuff is broken as we've been recording this in the past. So I had to break Jeff's heart that one time when uh, Tony Ferguson tore his knee and we had to talk about that just before we went on air. So crazy stuff. It's a weird sport. But speaking of Jeff, he is back after being off for a couple of weeks for work, illness, etc. So everybody join me in welcoming back Jeff Harris to the program. Jeff, very nice to have you back. Hope you're well. Yes, that's right. I I saw Spider-Man Far From Home. How about it? Welcome back. I'm Jeffrey Harris. All right, let's go ahead and just jump in. Time to give this show the class and respect it deserves. Now that my presence can once again grace this podcast, you're all very welcome to have me here. Uh, Let's jump into the main event from last night then. Francis Ngannou defeats Junior Dos Santos, TKO, 1 minute 11 seconds into the first round. Uh, this was a very likely possibility, especially given how Junior chose to fight. This became almost inevitable as that fight wore on the way he was fighting. Uh, Junior whiffs on an overhand right, and Ganu gets off angle behind him, cracks him with a bit of a right. He goes down and just is never able to recover because Francis and Ganu is a scary, scary human being. Uh, again, there's not a there's a little bit we can get into here technically, but Jeff, I want to give you kind of first crack at this. Uh, what were your what was your prediction going into this fight, and you know what did you think of the action? I had Ngannou. It was it was I mean a good performance. I mean it was a short performance that we've often come to expect uh, from Ngannou. He's he's definitely over the hump after that Miocic loss, but I'm still just not convinced he's capable of winning the heavyweight title because. We've seen him win fights like this before, and I'm just not certain he can go a grueling battle and come out the other side the winner, especially against a cardio machine like a Daniel Cormier or Stipe Miocic, who both have you know fairly good chins and the wrestling ability to counteract uh, Ngannou's strengths. Yeah, I definitely think with Stipe, at least, it's... Uh... Rewatch that for it's one of the that fight between Stipe and Ngannou is I don't think it got the credit it deserved at the time and I'll include myself in this but 
That was a, watching it now, that was a really, really impressive strategic game plan and implementation of such by Miocic. He fought very, very well. He did what you have to do against a guy like Francis Ngannou. And a lot of people seem to have the impression that after that Stipe fight, well, all you have to do is wrestle Francis. And, well, that didn't work out well for Cain Velasquez. It didn't work out well for Curtis Blades. Didn't work out well for a bunch of guys that fought Francis prior to that because takedown defense is not the easiest thing in the world, but you can prep for it. And if you know it's coming, it's relatively easier. It's much easier to defend than if you don't. Stipe's success came from a good jab, good leg kicks, fakes, feints, and drawing Francis out into overcommitting himself. When you fight anybody with the kind of vicious power that Francis has, and this goes across any striking sport, anytime you're fighting someone who has that kind of power, your best bet is to just make them throw a lot because they it takes a lot of energy for them to do it. And you can't be afraid of it. I mean, again, watch. This is what Stipe did so very, very well in their, for, in their fight. He's clearly respectful of Francis's power, but he's not afraid of it. He engages in the ways he needs to engage. He jabs, he leg kicks, he gets Francis thinking about things, he gets his feet out of position, gets him to overcommit his weight, trying to count when he bites on on anything that Stipe would show. Then he would launch his attack, be that, again, another leg kick, some jabs at a different angle, or a double or a single leg, depending on where they were relative to the cage. It was, a, again, a brilliant game plan that a lot of, of fighters in particular seem to have taken the wrong lessons from. And I said last week that if Junior did try to replicate what Stipe did, this was a winnable fight for him. But if, if he went in trying to just, you know, knock Francis out with an overhand right, he was probably going to lose. Tried to knock Francis out with an overhand right and immediately got clipped with counters. I mean... Francis doesn't have the best skill set. If we're like talking about technical implementation, I mean, even we watched the finish to this fight. And Dos Santos, what he did was so not smart because he, when he did that, he was wide as open as hell. Yeah, it was. It was a really ugly punch, and it's sadly not the first time. Sloppy, and Dos Santos has generally been throughout his career one of the better heavyweight boxers of his career. I would say, now granted, he hasn't always shown that. Up until the first loss to Cain Velasquez, I would say he was arguably one of the best heavyweight boxers in MMA in the world. Or is it unfair for me to say that? Um, again, like for certain values of boxing, he, ha- he certainly had a lot of power. He had a very good vocabulary of strikes in terms of his punching offense. Okay. The big reason I kind of struggle with calling him a great boxer is and okay. boxing is done with the feet, fundamentally. And JDS has well, always I, struggled with footwork and here's, ring craft. Here's what I don't get about this shot uh, DeSantis did. When he threw that, that big overhand uh, right, and Ganu had his hands up. Like, he was well defended at that point. Like, it just seemed, I don't want to say stupid. It just seemed very ill. Almost like he, I don't know what he was trying to get Ngannou to do there. Or if he was trying to get Ngannou to do something 
or if he actually thought that punch would land. It just, it did not, it did not look like a good strategy uh, strategy at all. It kind of reminded reminds me of that kick Wyman threw against Luke Rockhold that totally changed the complexion of that fight. Yeah, uh, that's not a bad comparison, actually. Uh, Junior's used that punch in basically that same way in some of his previous fights. He tends to use it. I don't know if he's just trying to, if he has a bad read on his opponent or if he just is trying to use it as like a space filler. But that's a, that's a punch that he's thrown before that has, it's never bitten him quite as badly as it did here, but it's a punch that he's, again, he's just whiffed on plenty of times throughout his career. So yeah. I, I, I do want to give Ngannou credit because Dos Santos gave him an opening, a great opening, and that's all he needed to finish the fight. Yeah, again, Dos Santos has missed that exact same punch plenty of times and has not really been countered that same way. So, And, and this is a game where just the most marginal errors... Four ounce, four ounce gloves, man. Four ounce gloves are so unforgiving. Yeah, it is an absolutely unforgiving uh, equipment that we use in this sport, as far as that goes. But does does the changes in Ganu's made? Now he's training with Kamaru Usman. They made a they made a big deal out of that uh, last night. Let's be honest about that. I don't know if that was a big difference maker for him or not. Does he... It's not going to hurt. Maybe. But if he's pushed, do you think he can make it into the deep waters and thrive there this time? I'm not, <sighs> I'm not convinced he can. I, I don't... I would need to see evidence to the contrary. I, mean, I imagine he could do better than he did in the, Stipe, in the first Stipe oh. fight. But I, I don't know that he's... How do I say this? I don't know that the current versions of well, Francis and Ganu are equipped to come back. I, don't, I for think, example, to anyone who thinks I'm being unfair to Ngannou here, like you can watch a Max Holloway fight and be fairly confident if it's at featherweight, he'll be okay if the fight goes into the later rounds. You would agree with that, yes? Yes. And based on the evidence we have, we can't be convinced of the same for Ngannou yet. At the moment, yes. I, I'm. I, I think he again. He's slimmed down a fair bit since that Stipe fight. He's uh, he's in he's, great shape, no question. I agree. Yeah. And it's. I imagine it's something he's worked on. If he's not, then his trainers deserve to be fired. Well, we saw what his trainers did to him in that Stipe Miocic fight. Also true. Turned him into a mummy. That was so bizarre. That was so bizarre. You don't I know st- how to, is he still working with the same people now that uh, a couple of them stayed with him. He still has Dewey okay. Cooper with him, I believe, but uh, he, again, he's changed a few around. Okay. So I, uh, again, I, I think he would do better, but I don't know that he's, I think Francis is, uh, and th- let me be clear. This is not a damning condemnation. This is not something that is impossible to overcome. This is not something that means he will never achieve success. He's already achieved a high level of success. Yeah, for sure. But I don't think he's... I don't know that he can uh, come back from adversity. Well, you know, he's, I'm not saying definitively he can't either, but let me just say this. Even having seen this performance, if he were to fight Daniel Cormier or next, a 40-year-old Daniel Cormier, mind you, or Stipe Miocic, I would still pick both of them to beat Ngannou. And it's mainly yeah. just 
And it's mainly, it's not because I hate Nganu. It's just because looking at the skills matchup and looking how they match up physically in an MMA fight, that's just how I lean. Now, I'm not saying my comments are the be-all end-all. I'm wrong. I, I pick fights wrong all the time. That's just what my gut says. That's what my head says looking at those matchups right now. Yeah, I, I think they're bad stylistic for him. I mean, and I haven't really seen a whole lot that would indicate to me that he's addressed the issues and the habits that uh, Miocic was able to exploit. Right. Again, Cormier would fight him very differently than Stipe did, I believe. Uh, I think Cormier's light more would be more inclined to take a shot from further out, whereas you know Stipe did a lot again, a lot more fake Cormier's fainting. Got underrated power though, you know. Uh, Cormier can crack. Especially at heavyweight. And Cormier would also be very likely to engage him in prolonged kind of clinch battles. Whereas Stipe was a lot more take the shot, second attempt, and if that doesn't work, I don't really want to engage with him in this proximity. My other thing about Cormier is he's a grinder. He can overcome adversity. We've seen him overcome adversity. Yep. I mean, look at that fight with Anthony Johnson as an example. He got dropped. Pretty hard. <laughs> he got he got thrown he got punched right on his butt and flipped over like Shawn Michaels. And I I wouldn't mind seeing either fight though. I'm more interested in seeing Nganu fight Cormier than I am a rematch with Stipe just because I've seen that and I don't think that fight would go any differently this time around. Right. But and I mean it's a possibility if someone gets hurt. Yeah, it's ver- and I mean he's now the number one contender again. I don't think there's I, a whole lot I, of dispute he, there. And I would I would say he deserves to be the number one contender because look, he hit a bad skid and he's overcome that, knocked out Cain Velasquez, Cur- Curtis Blades, and Junior Dos Santos. Um, so two former UFC champions. And look, Curtis Blades has gotten better. He's a He's a top 10. He's definitively, I think you would agree, a top 10 heavyweight at this point. Yeah, probably. I think he's still ranked there, and I, don't, I wouldn't it's disagree not too much. Fighter, but he's, he, he deserves to be in the top 10. He's a good fighter. He's a, maybe not a great fighter, but he's a good fighter. Yeah. So he's earned, he's earned a, I, I would say, another title shot at this point. Yeah. And again, just one thing I'd like to. Yeah point out here before we move on in back-to-back fights on espn big espn francis and ganu has knocked out kane velasquez and junior dos santos in the first round you and i were both doing this show when those two were the pinnacle of heavyweight mma right and this guy stopped both of them inside of two minutes combined fight time and let's also be on like Dos Santos was having a good run going into this fight. Very good. Probably I, uh, one of the more improbable career resurgences I can recall. Probably the best run he's had in years, considering he's 35 years old, had a stretch where he was facing a, uh, a potential long-time suspension from USADA that was eventually overturned, and he was just very hit and miss for a while. He was, he was looking good lately. Yeah, he had really kind of refound himself, and and he still can, you know, because he look, he was in there against Francis Ngannou. 
Yeah, Francis is in many respects a pretty significant outlier in terms of right. kind of results and what's achievable. Because, I mean, the power that man possesses is... It's an equalizer. Oof, definitely. It's more than an equalizer. Well, I mean, that's why you, you can't discount if he were to fight, I think, a Cormier or Stipe. Does he have the power to do that to either of them in the first round? He most definitely does. Yeah. I mean, that first that first round between Stipe and, and Ganu was... Yeah. That was nail-biting stuff. It was, but I expected... I I just thought it was smart money to expect Stipe to weather that storm. Yeah. And it was. It turned out to be smart money to do that. Yeah. So anyway, solid enough main event again. It went very quickly, it's but... Big. Francis, likely the next challenger. Assuming there's no weirdness around the uh, upcoming Miocic and Cormier rematch. And and depending on what happens, Cormier might be retiring. Yeah. Win or lose he, after that fight. He might, so. Alright, next up in your co-main event, Joseph Benavidez defeats Juicier Formiga via TKO two, uh, excuse me, four minutes, 47 seconds into the second round. So this is uh, a little less than six years, uh, after the they fought for the first time, which was in 2013. Yeah. Also ended in knockout. Uh, that one was in the first round instead of the second. Yeah, this it's a shame they're getting rid of this division. It really is, because this was a really fun fight. I mean, there was a great sequence in the second round. Uh, well, when are they four, getting rid of the division? Because Dana White just said they aren't. I believe Dana White about as much as I believe insert politician. Like Kamala Harris? Any of them. Joe Biden? Seriously. Any of the any of them on any side of the aisle. They're all full of crap. Kim Jong un. Okay, he's just crazy. <laughs> we don't count the crazies. Um <laughs> no, there was this great sequence in the second round when Formiga, a legitimate black belt with a lot with international jujitsu credentials. Ducks around standing, gets the back of Benavidez, hits an elevated kind of waist slam mat return, looks to take the back, and the way Benavidez just scrambles through this elite level back take, a legitimate world class back taker, and never lets him get both hooks in, turns around, gets on top. There's so much great stuff in this division, and it's, again, it's well, a Benavidez has done a lot of great things in his career. It's just that that. Massive win has always eluded him. Yep. I saw he did pretty amazing things in that first fight with, excuse me, the second fight with Dominic Cruz for the WEC Bantamweight title. Yeah, that's that's a really great fight for those of you who haven't seen it. Arguably, he could have won. And I say that because we've seen worse decisions go the other way. Uh, Yeah, there were a couple of them on this card. Sorry, they were not on this card that... I really took issue with, but Edgar, for example, Uh, at least one of the scorecards from the Edgar Penn fight was ridiculous. Yes. I still score that fight for BJ, but whatever. It's been too long since I've rewatched it. I, I, I know the 50, 45 for Edgar has, has been at times, I think a brilliant fighter. Absolutely. He just was never able to win the big one. Yeah. He's five. Legitimately top five in two different weight classes some years back. And I don't think anyone can argue that. 
No, there was a time when he was top five at Bantamweight. <laughs> That's very true. He was top five at Bantamweight when he moved down. I, I, I stand by that. Yeah, that's probably true. I'd have to go back and double check where everyone was historically at that point in time, but I wouldn't argue with it. Yeah. And again, I, I mean, this was again, this was a really in- entertaining fight, and then Ben uh, Formiga had some success. He had a really interesting, just kind of perpetual right hook that he was able to tag Benavides with a few times. Anytime they'd get close, mm-hmm. Benavides gets a little bit flappy with his hands, and. Formiga was able to kind of cover up through a lot of that and then always force Benavidez to exit to Benavidez's left and was always almost always greeted with a right from Formiga when he was that when he would exit the pocket. It was a really Formiga well is a very skilled underrated fighter too, I believe. Yeah. Um I mean the better runs of his career going into this fight as well. He had a really good run going into this, yeah. Uh, it's a shame he's probably gonna get cut now. I mean what do you do with this division, though? What do you do with Benavides? It's such a... I mean, even if Henry Cejudo was healthy, which he's not, it's still kind of a mess. The fact that he's going to be out for basically the rest of the year. And he holds a belt at a higher weight class. With a longer line of contenders. But Benavides is the last guy, whether you know you consider it a legitimate win or not, he's the last guy to beat the current flyweight champion, who is still... The flyweight champion. Yep. And Benavidez, I mean, he has a winning streak. And he and he ha- and he holds a win. He holds a win, the last win over Henry Cejudo. If Henry Cejudo has if there is any way he's going back to 125, he must fight Benavidez. And I mean the the truly sad thing is that if he's not I don't even think that there's not a better fight you can make to for the vacant flyweight title and than this here's, one. Here's my thing. Like, Dana White says they're keeping flyweight. But then they've cut... Have they not cut about half of this division? Over. Go. I, I, over half. I mean, they've released over the... Like, I think just in... If we go back a like full they, calendar they year... Brandon Moreno, right? And, and he was... You know... Yeah, Moreno's gone. Um, but he was a he was a promising he was a promising uh, young talent, was he not? Jared Brooks is gone. Eric Shelton's gone. Uh, Joby Sanchez is gone. Dustin Ortiz is gone. Wilka oh, Sasaki's gone. Um, I think Pantoja's still around. Dustin th- Ortiz is a fun fighter. Yeah. Uh, what about uh, Tim Elliott. I, bantamweight. Oh, he's Bantamweight, yeah. Eh. Pettis, same thing, up at Bantamweight. Well, here's my question. Do you give Benavidez the option of moving up and getting the title shot? I, it wouldn't be ideal, but I'd almost be fine with that. I'd be okay with it, and in no small part because the next best contender is Aljamain Sterling. Maybe, or, or maybe he fights Sterling for the belt. Which wouldn't be terrible. And here's why I wouldn't be against it for Sterling. One, Benavides has a win over Cejudo. Two, Sterling lost to Marlon Moraes. So it wouldn't be a bad feather in his cap. No. I mean, I mean Sterling and Peter Yan are, the one, are making noises at each other right now. So 
I think you could maybe do that fight and have Benavidez fight Cejudo for the bantamweight belt and then just have you know, uh, Sterling and Jan be your number one I mean, contenders. I feel, belt. I feel for Benavidez because he deserves another title shot. He deserved, look, much look, as I deserved one before he lost to Pettis, too. Yeah, well, look, he deserved a third. He technically speaking deserved a third shot at Demetrius Johnson. Right. It just never materialized, which was right. a, kind of a shame because I. I loved their first fight, good back and forth affair, and then, man, that that second fight that was that was a brutal I knockout mean, from DJ. Done. Benavidez to me is probably gonna. He's like one of those top ten fighters to never win a major title. Yeah, he, him, and uh, even Cowboy. Uh, no, Cowboy never won a WEC. Yeah, no, yeah, you know, Benavidez might be the best. I mean, him and Cowboy, I think, are probably neck and neck for best fighters to never win a UFC title. Again, Formiga, I don't know. We'll see. If the UFC... It's a good fight, though. Even though it's it's a dead, pretty much a dead or dying division. Yeah, it's it's an absolute... I mean, they don't even have 15 fighters in that division. The UFC does not have 15 fighters to fill out their rankings for for flyweight. I just, you know, Dana White just needs to stop feigning about this and just say we're closing up the division we tried maybe we'll try again later (laughs) all right i'll take that and cejudo uh is the last flyweight champ he's retiring the flyweight belt and remains the bantamweight champion i mean that's a good legacy for cejudo at least he's pretty much got the biggest set of balls on the planet right now up there. I mean, I think he should probably be fighting uh, Cormier for the title of champ, champ, huge balls. Uh, Cormier would squish him. <laughs> okay, but Cormier doesn't have an Olympic gold medal. No, no, he doesn't. And Cejudo's attempt to rejoin the Olympic team after that Cejudo's after that got, run was a miserable failure. Cejudo's got, he's got a gold medal at least. He does. Yeah, it's uh, it's a crying shame that Cormier's body shut down on him the way it and did his second Cejudo Olympics. Also, whether you like it or not, Cejudo beat the one guy who beat him before, which Cormier was also not able to do. Also true. Well, one of the guys. He hasn't beaten Joseph Benavidez again yet, but... Well, you'd think he'd want that back. I mean, he so, made a point of getting the, getting the DJ win yeah. back, but... Yeah, anyway. I mean, right now, well, look, Cejudo right now is, he's in the catbird seat right now. He He's the one who has the power right now. I, I, even though I'm... To, st- the ex- to the extent that any fighter does, I suppose. Well, well, as much as I stump for Benavidez, he, he has no negotiating power here. That's very so true. And you know what? I, I pull for him. I did, I, No, I agree with you. And, and I've and, been a fan of Benavidez for years. Yeah. Again, you and I were both watching him when he was in W when he was in the world when he was in the WC promotion. I mean, so I've we've seen a lot of Joe B. Him. I've interviewed him for the website. Yeah, he's a really he's a good interview. He's a nice guy. So I hope that's what'll happen. But I mean, with with Cejudo out again, you don't even have another fight you could really make for for like either an interim or the vacant title. It just doesn't exist right now. 
right. Uh, next up, Damian Maya defeated Anthony Rocco Martin via majority decision. This is erroneously listed here. Uh, there was one 28-28 scorecard, which had it a draw, which was my score, and then two 29-28s in favor of Maya. Uh, under the new rules, which we were under last night, I'm not sure how you can rule the third round only a 10-9 in favor of Martin. I, Because, and again, this is under the old rules, yeah, sure, I can accept. I can accept that it only would have been a 10-9. There's a change in the language around your scoring criteria under the new rules, specifically around how one scores a 10-8 round. It is designed, it now says, like, you have to win it by a wide enough margin rather than, you know, a near finish or utter domination. Damian Maya achieved no positional dominance at all in round three and landed no strikes at all in round three. And... Look, I'd accept only a 10-9 if Martin did not do those other things. Martin landed on him pretty consistently, wobbled him at least once, rather badly, and, like, had his back for a brief period of time. I mean, granted, it's Damian Maia, so he immediately reversed into guard, but I'm not... If we're not going to actually follow the new scoring guidelines and criteria, then what the hell are we doing? It, that that baffles me. That genuinely baffles me to have what I believe a superior rule set in place in a lot of ways. Sp- certainly when it comes to your scoring criteria and to just blatantly ignore it. It's absolutely ridiculous. That under the new scoring criteria, that third round's a 10-8. And the fight's a draw. And yeah, maybe that sucks. But that's what it is. Uh, the first two rounds clearly go to Maya. He's able to get Martin down. He's able to get good position on him. Not able to really mount a ton of tremendous offense, but it's clearly enough in both cases to win the round. Rather, the second round less clearly, but the first round clearly. Second round again goes to him without controversy, but more competitively. And then he just kind of takes the third round off, which fine. Don't put yourself in a dangerous position. I'm okay with that. But if you don't do anything and your opponent does, you know, good work under this scoring system, that's a 10-8. If you win it by a wide enough margin, there's absolutely no reason to think that the margin of victory Martin achieves in that third round does not rise to that level. Um, But, you know, I can stand here and complain about judging all day long. It's not actually going to change anything. Uh, not going to stop me from doing it on occasion. Uh, for Maya, this is two in a row, but I don't know, man. I mean, Maya's just kind of treading water. I mean, he's he's 41. He's not going to get another shot at the belt. He's lost to the top three guys in the division, clearly. I mean, those were not close fights. Woodley, Covington, and Usman all beat him, clearly. I mean, granted, the Covington fight was weird just because... Covington actually got outstruck by Damian Maya for, I think, the whole first round, basically. But after that, Maya's cardio failed. And the Usman fight yeah, was also not close. Uh, sucks for Martin, who was on a really, a really solid run. This was a step up in competition for him. And in fairness to his position, he acquitted himself rather well. He got in bad positions, but never panicked never let Maya establish anything approaching the control he really needs to get his game working. Uh, 
and fought very well in the third round. So, you know, again, I give him credit. I give Maya credit for, you know, kind of gutting into that second when he had some a couple of rough spots but was able to still force his game. And, you know, for being a 41-year-old man out there, still taking it to the younger up-and-coming generation, you know, give Maya some credit too. But the fight was just kind of there as far beyond that. Uh, all right. Jeff, you have any thoughts on this one? Snooze fest. All right. Uh, Vince Pichel defeated Roosevelt Roberts for unanimous decision, 29-28 across the board. Um, Roberts had a good first round. But then after that, Pichel found some kind of angle of attack in the second. I I have to rewatch the fight to really pick up on it in more nuance. But he was able to for, find an angle. Like he got a couple of decent leg kicks in was able to find an avenue to close distance reliably and got Roberts down and getting him down kind of in the open space away from the fence allowed him to really kind of work his top game and Roberts, while he has a, he has good counter wrestling against the fence in open space without the fence to lean against. That's a whole different ball game. And once they kind of got away from that barrier that he could utilize, he struggled a lot more. Uh, Decent enough win for Pichel. Roberts is still a guy with a lot of promise. I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm not calling him a busted prospect yet or anything. This was a step up in competition against a rugged veteran that has a style that uh, we all thought, well, I thought would give him problems. I think I picked Pichel actually, but again, not a bad fight. Uh, there's not a lot of bad fights on this card all the way around. So, Jeff, thoughts on Pichel and Roberts? Nope. All right. Let's see. Drew Dober defeated Marco Polo Reyes via TKO in the first round. This is what happens when a brawler with power in the form of Reyes runs up against a technically superior striker with good power himself and Dober. Uh, just Dober had his number basically the whole time. That, that straight left he used to finally put him down was a thing of beauty. Uh, and short fight ended a minute and seven seconds into the first round, but uh, some decent action for as long as it lasted. Uh, let's see. You got anything on that one? This is a good finish, man. It's a fun yeah. fight. Let's see. Alonzo Menafield knocked out Paul Craig with punches three minutes, 19 seconds into the first round. Um, Paul Craig spun too many times. Like, I appreciate a good spinning attack. But you have to use them judiciously. Because the more you use them, the easier they are to counter. Menafield read a wheel kick, moved in close, off-balanced Craig, and then crushed him with a right hand as he was on his back. Uh, a few more punches, but, I mean, that was all over after that first punch. That was a pretty brutal finish from Menafield, quite frankly. But, you know, I mean, Paul Craig does some interesting stuff. He just, I don't know. His, he has decent kicks, but he's a very kind of slow fighter. And not everyone can be very fast. I mean, you just have to learn how to work with it. Uh, he's got a good guard. He's got a really good good bottom game. But Menafield was very studious about avoiding prolonged grappling exchanges with Craig. Because he knew that's not where he had the best opportunity to succeed. So, again, credit to Menafield, who's now, I think, 9-0 with two wins in the UFC. 
Both of his finishing sequences have come off of countering an opponent's ill-advised spinning attack because he knocked out uh, Vinicius Mejia basically uh, different, but off of kind of the same kick. He slipped around to the side and then just clobbered him. Uh, uh, Jeff, you got anything for this one? Not really. All right. Uh, that was your main card. So for the prelims, uh, Ricardo Hamos defeated Journey Newsom via unanimous decision, 30-27 across the board. Newsom has a chin on him, man. He got hit with a brutal spinning elbow in the third round. And, I mean, he didn't even go down. He, got, he went down to a knee, but he got back up and was moving very, very quickly. Uh, I mean, Hamos is the better fighter all the way around, and Newsom looks like a more natural flyweight than bantamweight. But and credit to Newsom who came in and put up a fight on very short notice. Not very short. Uh, two weeks, I think, notice. Um, Eric Anders knocked out Vinicius Morheia in the first round with punches. Um, I don't really have anything for this. This was what we all expected. Vinicius Morheia is not a good striker. In fact, he's an actively bad striker. Uh, and he couldn't get the fight down. And then Eric Anders just clobbered him with a couple of lefts. Uh, Anders really needs to develop his right hand. I mean, he's a southpaw, so his power comes from the left. But his right hand just doesn't do much of anything. He's really got to educate that hand a little bit. Would serve him very, very well. A late stoppage on this fight, too, from the ref. See, Jared Gordon defeated Dan Moret via unanimous decision. 230-27s, 129-28. Not a bad little scrap here. Uh, light heavyweight Dalcha Lungiambula defeated Daquan Townsend via knockout in the third round. Uh... And considering Townsend took this fight on very short notice, um, like the same week, because this was supposed to be Lungiambula and Justin Ledet. Uh, Townsend acquitted himself well. Looks more like a middleweight. I think they said that was his natural. That's where he competes more because he was not nearly as thick as Lungiambula, despite being much taller. Um, I mean, again, two guys making their debuts. Decent enough light heavyweight fight, but I'm probably going to forget it tomorrow. Amanda uh, Hibos defeated Emily Whitmire via rear naked choke in the second round. Uh, I mean, decent enough comeback from Hibos. Uh, Whitmire, I think, took the first round. And then just... Might have been Hibos took in the first, actually. I'd have to double-check my notes. I just The fight did not stick out to me. Good finishing sequence from uh, Hibos, though. Got a good takedown, good back take, and then uh, was able to lock up the choke very quickly once she got there in the, sec in the second round. In the first round, she struggled with it, but got it in the second very quickly. And then kicking everything off, Maurice Green, the crochet boss, which is a really cool nickname, actually. Uh, defeated Junior Albini via TKO in the first round, and Junior Albini's UFC career goes bye-bye. Uh, pretty decent stuff. These two had a pretty wild fight. It was... On the sloppier side at times, but there were momentum shifts. It ended quickly. It's basically, this is kind of the ideal low-level heavyweight fight in MMA. It's not boring. It goes quickly, and there's no really con and there's no dispute to the finish. Uh, Green really, really slick with his hands. Uh, much straighter punches than Albini. The only times he got clipped were when he got a little over aggressive looking for a finish, and Albini just kind of swung back at him. But Green, you know, did some decent stance switching, 
Found a couple of good straight punches. A really good kind of one-two is what ended it. Albini's lack of head movement really cost him because uh, he thought he was safe and because he did, he had his guard up, but because he didn't move his head, Green just kind of threaded the punch around the guard, cracked him behind the ear, dropped him, in this, and was able to finish him off. So, yeah, pretty solid win for Green, who's probably approaching heavyweight prospect territory in terms of MMA competition. He was a he was a decorated kickboxer for a while uh, earlier in his career. So, uh, again, his his MMA game is coming along, and you know, it might be so, might turn into somebody worth really paying attention to going forward. Uh, all right, Jeff, any burning desires from the prelims? Because, again, there weren't really too many bad fights, but I don't know how much of this is really going to stick with me. Were you as surprised as I was when Eric Anders finally won a fight? No, because Vinicius Mojea is a terrible striker. But, but it's Eric Anders. Yeah, he had a bit of a rough stretch, but, you know, I mean, A, he arguably... There's an argument for him winning the fight with Theodoru. I don't yep. subscribe to it, but it exists. Also, he has a loss on his record to Elias Theodora. Yeah, I know. And yeah. But, I mean, this is... Again, Vinicius Morheia is not a good striker. He's very, very bad at it, in point of fact. Uh, great grappler, but not, struggles to really force the issue. And when he couldn't against Anders quickly... You know, that this was always going to be how that fight went. Uh, I'm not sure how much he's going to be able to replicate that success going forward because, there's again, there's issues he really has to iron out in his game. But against this level of opposition, I kind of expect him to win, actually. That's all I had. All right. Uh, thanks to everyone who followed along with my live coverage or read my report after the fact. Always appreciative. Uh, of you guys supporting my work in whatever way you do. Uh, let's move on to UFC 239 then, because here it comes. The UFC, again, with for International Fight Week 2019, UFC 239 is the marquee event. Uh, this week will also host, again, a big... You know, kind of meet and greet with the fans, uh, the Hall of Fame induction ceremony, et cetera, et cetera. So the UFC always tries to put together really good cards for whatever event they're hosting. Uh, again, usually it's kind of the close, as close as they can get to 4th of July weekend. And this card, main card, on paper, is really good. Might be terrible in practice, but on paper it's pretty solid. Uh, the main event, John Jones looking for another defense of his title against Tiago Santos, who is a scary human being. Now, I, I really struggled, I think, when Anthony Smith was fighting Jones, trying to find any sort of avenue that I thought Smith would be able to have success against John Jones in. And believe it or not, I don't have that same problem necessarily well, with Tiago Santos. Smith it's, also froze like a deer in the headlights in front of John Jones. True. And Jones fights in a way to facilitate that freezing very, very easily. I mean, he's made, you know, I don't mean this disparagingly to Anthony Smith. Uh, he's made so did, much better. Did, so did Anderson Silva. Yeah. Uh, if uh, Tiago Santos poses a danger to John in 
a couple of ways. One, yep. one is just raw power. Now, John's. Fu- Go ahead. I just, yeah, I agree. The other thing that Santos brings is a little bit of wildness. And John is a tremendous study of his opponents and of the sport. He does a lot of tape study. He's very, very good at breaking you down uh, analytically. Not just that. He's also good at turning your strengths against you and turning your strengths into a weakness. Yeah. Remember, he out-wrestled Daniel Cormier. He did. He shut down Daniel Cormier's wrestling. He outboxed Glover Teixeira. No, he out he out dirty box Glover to Sharon. The clinch box. has always been John's John's best attribute is all well, you could argue where it is now, but for the majority of his dynamic, career, the clinch has been his best area. Elbows, his offensive elbows. Yeah. Now, and the reason I bring that up is just because if you get a a wilder fighter like Santos against a very analytical fighter like John that tends to favor the analytical fighter, but it does also leave mm. openings that if you just don't expect anything, when you're not expecting something crazy to happen, something crazy happens. And Tiago Santos has a little bit of that. He's also, again, uh, uh, Tiago Santos is a bruiser of a human being. He's got power. He kicks. He punches. He's willing to fight. He's willing to grind. And is, again, just a very, very punishing style of opponent. He's also, other than Jones, he's the last man to beat Anthony Smith. Yeah, and he stopped Smith with a body kick, as I recall. It's a fight of the night performance. Now, that that said, I'm picking John Jones because I don't have a reason. I don't have a reason to pick against him here. But. There are avenues for Santos to be successful. Yes, I agree, and I'm also picking John. Uh, probably via decision again. I imagine he's just going to spend the first couple of rounds either forcing clinches or kicking the leg, kicking the knee of Santos. Have we, ever, have we ever seen Santos fight a really tough technical wrestler like John Jones? There's not too many people like John. Um, oh, but a guy with his level of wrestling. I don't think we have. Nah, I I don't think so either. I mean, who would be the closest on his resume that you could come? Even, jeez. Maybe Blahovic. He's decent there. Blahovic is decent there, but Manawa, Manawa is a striker. He's a Manawa was a striker. Anders is a striker. Kevin Holland was a sacrificial lamb. Smith. David Branch knocked him out. Uh, I, I wouldn't call a wrestler. Hermanson's a pretty good wrestler, actually. Uh, okay. Different style than John, but that's probably okay, the closest. Unless we want to go like in the way back machine, and you know when Elias Theodore was just grinding well, like people. Hermanson, and Hermanson is good. Don't get me wrong. He's having a good run right now, but he hasn't made it to John's level. No. I mean, like really elite level. I, I expect I John to win. Like a Weidman level, a Cormier level, Velasquez. Yeah. I don't think he has. And I don't think he'll... That's another thing I don't think Santos is ready to deal with. Takedowns, grappling, which John has as well. 
Yeah, I oh, I expect John to kind of get him against the fence at some point or another, get him down kind of with that either knee tap or a single leg, similar to how he does. He, I mean, he got Smith down with it a couple of times. The takedown that basically led to the finish of the fight against Gustafson in their rematch. I forget, That's, didn't he take down Smith at some point? A couple of different points, yeah. Yeah. Like, he didn't do a whole lot, but he had more... Well, Smith did a really good job... Right. Uh, in terms of not letting John ever really get his hands together. But John was still able to get him down. Yeah, again, there were a few times he was able to, and then there was one barrage. I can't remember if it was the third. I think it was the third round. And Gustafsson in the rematch, right? Yeah. And Gustafsson, well, I wouldn't call him a wrestler. Like, he's he's a decent grappler. I mean, he doesn't have amateur wrestling credentials, but if you look at Gustafsson's grappling success in MMA, it was quite high. All things so. considered, so um, I've got know, you. Santos might be able to deal with that, but it's just that we've never seen him do it against a against a fighter of John Jones's caliber. And I mean, John could also win the whole, could keep the fight standing the entire time and still win. Just you know, yeah, make Santos miss possible. a lot and punish him for it. Possible. That's what he did to Ovin St. Prue. Yeah, oh, that was a boring fight. Well, John's at the. John's also kind of at a phase in his career when he doesn't care if he wins boring. I mean, I mean, there were a lot of people unimpressed with the Smith fight, and in fairness, it wasn't a a good. It wasn't a good fight, but that was also on Smith too. Yeah. So I didn't. He didn't really do anything, and John's and John Jones didn't really just have to engage him. Smith didn't really try to engage in really try to win the fight at all yeah and you know and briefly credit to smith for acknowledging this uh, that same point when he's talked about that fight yeah. <laughs> i mean he rebounded don't get me wrong but it's going to be a hard sell for him to fight if he gets to that point again it would be a hard sell to get a rematch with john jones that would, someone that else would have to win the belt i believe that yeah i i'm a, i'm in agreement with you there um, but, I don't dislike yeah. Anthony Smith. I'm just being realistic. Uh, and you know, we say that about fighters we like all the time. If they get to that level and then the fight goes in such a way that they just like, there's no question. There's no question about the outcome about, you know, the finish or the decision or whatnot. And the fight itself was just not entertaining enough to warrant a rematch. It sucks. If, especially if it's a fighter you like, but that doesn't change reality. Right. So again, got Jones, but uh, if you don't mind gambling a little bit and you have a bit of spare money or and you don't mind losing, eh, you know, I mean, I wouldn't bet on Santos, but. You want to make th- like, what are, you, what are you calling a prop bet or just like a throwaway bet? Yeah, to, it, if, you've, you know, if you've made your money for the night and just kind of want to, you know what, there's long odds, but eh, here's a hundred bucks and let's just hey, see what happens kind of thing. It doesn't happen often, but so, if you're a gambler. Sometimes it pays off, like the, like the Rousey versus uh, Holly Holm fight. Or what was the other one? There was I can't remember if it was I think it was the uh, Green was it the Greenville event or two thirty eight. It might have been two thirty eight that had just a a string of upsets numerically. It's either that or the or the Greenville card that just like okay, uh, no, I think it was Greenville actually because I think Randy Brown was. I know Moicano was favored, 
I think Dechirico, like there was just several of those fights that were just, well, uh, and that's why there's gambling. Yeah, I'm not, now look, I'm not picking or favoring an upset here, but Santos has, Santos has good, good things going for him. He is a good striker. He, he is scary and he has deadly knockout power. And look, he's done very well for himself in the UFC. Very. But now that he's at this point, we also don't know how he's going to deal with being put in there with John Jones. And a lot of guys. A lot of really good guys have just struggled. I mean, that's how great John is, you know. <laughs> a lot of guys have talked a good game going into fights with John, too, and just wilted. Yep. Uh, your co-main event is another title fight, this one for the women's bantamweight title. Amanda Nunes looks to collect the final soul of a former UFC women's champion in any of the divisions she's competed in when she fights Holly Holm. Uh, I need a really compelling reason to pick against Amanda Nunes at this point. And I like Holly, but she does not offer it. I think if Holly Holm wins this fight, she will have, I guess not a worst, but one of the worst UFC title records ever. One of, absolutely. I mean, she will have lost more UFC title fights than Uriah Faber. Yep. I I mean, I forget where I heard it on Twitter. It might have been Jack, uh, or a podcast. It might have been Jack Slack. I want to properly attribute this. But, you know, Holly is kind of the female Uriah Faber. Yep. They shoehorn her into title shots. Other than the fact that she beat Ronda Rousey, she beat the woman Mm -hmm. who was ruling the entire sport of women's MMA. It beat her spectacularly. She has lost every single UFC title contest she has been in after that. Yep. Lost her first. And this is why all the kind of the fallout of the, the, the Rousey loss made me so angry. It made me even angrier because her first like title defense was a loss to a woman Ronda had beaten twice. Cleanly twice. Like, those were not close fights. Right. And people acted like, oh, Ronda was never good. She never faced real competition. She never blah, blah, blah. All, just all the stupid garbage you expect um, when, a, when a top fighter loses. Whether you like it or not, she lost to Jermaine Durandame, and then she lost an underwhelming fight to Cyborg, where she did not get her clock clean by Cyborg. She just didn't really do anything. This, you know, She didn't do anything, especially when she was able to neutralize Cyborg, which makes me even angrier. Yeah, again, I need a reason to pick against Amanda. Amanda is an exceptional talent. And I, and I maintain... If Holm loses here, she will be the biggest one-hit wonder this sport has ever seen. The biggest. Bigger than Matt Sarah. I don't care what you say, Robert. I'm not going to argue with you. Because she will have lost way more title fights than Matt Sarah if she loses here. Oh, yeah. By a, by a wide margin. I mean, Matt Sarah went one and one in title fights. Exactly. When this, Owen won against it, Matt Hughes, which is hilarious. One in, this would be one in four. Yeah, which is just... Oh, 
God, that's yeah. Again, it look. I said it was ridiculous that they shoehorned Faber into at least three of his title look, fights. Holly Holm has had success. Let's not deny it. She became a you know a two sport champion. Came in here, knocked out Ronda Rousey. A fight no one, practically no one picked her to win. I didn't. <laughs> Felt like a didn't moron afterward. I didn't either. Um. But let's be honest. She did not look that good going into that fight. She did not look like she did not look like a she didn't look like a threat to Rousey. And you know what? And I could be wrong, but she does not look like a threat to Nunes. Not really. Uh, uh, Nunes, Nunes, look, Nunes has beaten Rousey, beaten Cyborg, beaten Misha Day. Beaten Jermaine Durandamy, beaten Valentina Shevchenko. Her last loss was to Kat Singano. Granted, that was almost five years ago. But, I mean, so she's not unbeatable. I'm not saying she's unbeatable. But she has, she has distinguished herself more than, any, more than any other woman in, in her division. And she's Either. a... Either of her divisions. Well. She doesn't have a real body of work at featherweight, but considering the only featherweight was Cyborg. Classify the Cyborg Memorial open weight division. This fight is at Bantamweight, correct? Yeah. Okay. So. uh, Home does not. She's not like a one hitter quitter. Not with her fists. She has she she is a good kickboxer. I I'll give her that. Um, she has trouble. I feel like she has trouble in deep waters. And when and when the fight's not going her way, and she tends to rely on she she relies on Wallenstall a lot. If the fight isn't going her way. Um. I don't think that's going to work against Amanda Nunez. No, that that will almost certainly not work against Amanda. I feel like Amanda's better in the clinch. Yeah. Better on the ground. Almost certainly better on the ground. I'd be shocked if I Holm just, has any real success than, grappling with her. I Other than Holm maybe kind of trying to outpoint her and game plan her to death, I just don't see how Holm wins this. If Nunes is recklessly aggressive, Holm sure. can kind of replicate what she did to Rousey because that's what or, a lot of her game or, plan is, relies on. Or if she gasses and fades in the later rounds, which has happened before, not a lot, but it has almost cost it cost her certainly against Katzengano, and it almost got. <coughs> excuse me, I'm still technically sick. I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, it almost cost her against Shevchenko in the first fight. Almost cost her in the second fight, too. Now, now, I mean, now, she didn't slow as badly, but right. same principle. Now, granted, she's she's worked, she's worked clearly worked on that, and it's not looked to have... But it has been a problem before for her. But, look, Holly Holm has also struggled in the later rounds, and I think that's undeniable. 
look at uh, her fight with Shevchenko, her fight with Ronda May, her fight with Misha Tate that she was winning. I think she, yeah, the the Tate, oh god, the the brain the fight Pennington, she had against Tate, the Pennington <laughs> fight where she, I did not care for her performance at all in that fight. So, just saying. Uh, Again, I need a really clear-cut reason if I'm going to pick against Amanda Nunes, and I don't have it here. And I, and I don't dislike Holly at all. I just think she has a very specific skill set. Yep, it's done well for her in MMA, and she got, you know, she got matched up against the champion because UFC didn't want to book Tate versus Ronda the third time. There was no reason to book it the third time, in fairness. All right, but Tate was arguably the number one contender. And eh, Holm had... Only, only, by, only because okay, the but rankings look, are Holm stupid. Holm was undefeated in 2-0 and in the UFC at that point. And both of those wins were not garbage, but they weren't good fights. No, they, weren't, they also weren't against a really elite level of opposition. I mean, she beat, what, Marion Renault and Jessica... Not just, and uh, Pennington, right? Yeah. Right. And by split decision. It was the not- Pennington fight her debut? Yes. Okay. So, she had... She had an easy path to the title, let's be honest. Again, the division wasn't great at the time. No. And, but again, you know, yeah, she was in a division that was not great. She capitalized on the opportunity. Yeah. yeah. And again, it it happens. It happens all the time in divisions. It worked out well for her. Um, I just think Amanda has far surpassed her everywhere. Pretty much, yeah. Skill set. Uh, I mean, Amanda's... Opposition, performance level. uh, Amanda's like the hardest... Amanda might be the hardest punching woman in the sport. I mean, she hits so ridiculously hard. I agree, though. If if Nunez, if Nunez were to get reckless or sloppy, Holm could take advantage of it because she's been able to do that, too. So yeah, I, I just don't see Nunez yeah, getting I, all that, that reckless or sloppy. I don't, I don't see that happening here, but we'll see. I, yeah, I expect Nunez to win, and sadly, I think that's probably going to mark the end of her career. Mm, oh, here we go. I mean, she again. Just, Nunez has talked about this maybe being her last fight because. Wouldn't you know, surprise me. What's left for her? And in all seriousness, what's left for her to do? She's a simultaneous champion. If she beats Holly, she will have beat every bantamweight and featherweight champion the UFC has ever had, and holds a win over two wins over their flyweight yeah. champion. Like, unless she really wants I'd to like break the title defense record. That that would be it. That would be the only other Even thing she still, could try to do. do. That when you do that, you're, you're still. I mean, it's a risk. There's no guarantee you'll be able to do that because look, fighters. You know, we've you slip. Look, fighters sometimes. Sometimes you just run up against someone who's got, got your numbers. Sometimes you just slip on a banana look, peel. Anderson Silva got on sitting in. We never thought that was going to happen. So it's it's. Uh, I mean, Andy Ruiz Jr. bested Anthony Joshua a couple of weeks just ago. Just by process of elimination, it's bound to happen at some point. Yeah. So to me, that would be the one. If she wanted to stick around, that would be the one thing. Because if she wins here, that would be her fourth title defense at bantamweight. And Ronda has what five? Ron, Ronda, Joanna. 
I think I so. Tied it, or or did you want to not tie the record? I forget. I think you want to tie it. I don't think she broke it. Right. Well, I mean, even even if she ties it, that's still pretty good company. I mean, and plus, considering she already beat Ronda. Yeah. So let's see. One, two, three, four. So Yoana had five, and I believe did Ronda had five or six. I think Ronda had five because she came in as champion. So right. it was what Carmouche, Tate, uh, and there, um, McMahon, Cohea, McMahon. Okay, so one, two, three, four, five. Oh, so Ronda has six. Oh, Go-Hea. who, 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 who am I forgetting with Ronda? Cohea. David, oh Alexis Davis. Davis, I'm forgetting Davis. Yeah. And I think she so, had one other that I'm forgetting, but so so Yuana fell short of the of time. Yeah. So, I mean, plus considering she's featherweight champion, and Cyborg wants a rematch, it would it would if she were to win here, it would take her quite a while just to to tie that record and break that record if she could even do it. Because time catches up with everyone, and you never know when it's going to oh, happen. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All right. So I think we can move on to Masvidal yeah. versus Askren now. This is a really good fight, actually. Yeah, Jorge it's Masvidal and Ben Askren. Uh, I'm picking Askren. <laughs> I'm leaning towards Askren, but... It's a bad matchup. I think it's a bad matchup for Masvidal. I don't know. Masvidal has a pretty decent record of being able to deal with wrestlers. Yeah. Like Jake Ellenberger. Well, I mean, sure, there was that. What did to him? I don't know, man. I still kind of, I still accept the argument that he won that fight. It was not a good fight, though. If we're talking talking just like in terms of raw entertainment. Darren Till's not a wrestler. No, but he stopped guys like Pat Healy. Was a much more dogged wrestler, Michael Chiesa. That was forever ago. Sure, but it still happened. Asa Ayakinta. He he didn't lose that fight. The judges lost, blew. To, lost to Benson Henderson, Lorenz Larkin. Yep, God Larkin, man, what a weird he guy. He is probably Jake Ellenberger. Ha ha ha. No, I don't think that's it. I'd I'm have to. Picking, I'm picking Ben Askren. I'm sorry. No, I'm. Wait a minute. You really think that the best Masvidal's best win is Ellenberger? The best wrestler. Oh, best wrestler. Wrestler. So I miss I misheard you there. Wrestling yeah. background and skill set. That might be accurate. I mean, in fairness, he also smashed Ellenberger even prior to the. He was smashing him before the weirdness right. with the fence. Um. Now I, I'm picking Askren this too. Is the type of fight Masvidal. Masvidal comes off an amazing win. Looks like a million bucks, and then he loses yep. a fight like this, and he's going to lose. I'm sorry. Sorry, Dana White. Sorry, Ben. Sorry. Sorry, UFC fans. George Masvidal. This isn't going the way you want it to. Okay. Masvidal is beatable, and he's always been beatable. Yeah, especially if he – his biggest problem, and he's, a, he's acknowledged this, he's has always been his mentality. He's inconsistent. Yeah, I mean – if you listen to anyone talk about him at all when it comes to you know his actual skills or his abilities, he's legitimately you know top of the heap, but he can't always put it together on fight night, which is when it matters. Uh, and, it's, and it's why 
it's why when he comes so close and he gets booked into these big fights, he comes up short. I mean, the Maya fight almost could have been a title eliminator for him. It was. He was great. Oh, yeah. whoever won that fight was because Maya got his title shot off the back of that. Right. And, and frankly, had the, again, had that, had one of those other two judges seen it for Masvidal, Masvidal but, and Woodley's a really interesting here's fight. My point. Here's my point Masvidal is a banger. He's an exciting fighter. He's a fun fighter to watch, but he doesn't have that skill set. He doesn't have the ability to put it together and get him over that hump to become that higher elite level of athlete. I don't see it. And I'm not saying Ben Askren has it either, but Ben Askren has a skill set that I think is going to be a nightmare for Masvidal, and he's not going to overcome it. If so, Masvidal so- ever gets his back on the fence, he's in real trouble. He has to keep this in open space, and he has to keep... He has to keep things at a distance he's comfortable with. Because, look, Ben Askren's striking is absolutely not good. And I'm not a big Askren fan, but it's fun to see someone get one over on Dana White now and again. It really is. Like, he openly openly trolls Dana White, and you know it gets to Dana White. You know it does. Oh, I I assume it does. Rins and Barrett. Yeah. Because Dana White was like, yeah, I want to I want to book that Lawler rematch. And Askren's like, pass. No, I'm not going <laughs> to play. And he didn't. <laughs> no, which is fair. Like, you, you're not you're not required to accept that, uh, you know, the fight, you know, any individual fight that's offered. And if Askren didn't like, want to do you know it again. What? And you know what? I, 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 people complained about that finish so much, but I had no problem with that stoppage. I'm sorry. So... I mean, in hindsight, it's not a good, in hindsight, it's not a good stoppage, but in real time, you can understand it. And that's how all these decisions are made. So good on you, Askren. You're going to win. Yeah, I'm leaning towards Askren, but uh, this has, this fight has some pretty serious potential. Uh, next up, we have the light heavyweight debut of Luke Rockhold as he fights Jan Blahovich. Um... Like Blahovich is a largely underappreciated guy, but I also then he ran into the to Tiago Santos. And in fairness, he put up a good fight against Santos yeah. before he got finished. I mean, he was in the fight, He's having the best run of his UFC career. Yep, and but unfortunately, I think he's a bit of a he. He's a bit of a. He's, he's a, not a gimme, but... He's a high-level journeyman is what I consider him to be. And I fully expect Luke Rockhold to beat him. Um, my concern is just Luke Rockhold adjusting to a higher weight class. That's a thing. Long, he hasn't fought in over a year. So ring rust, cage rust. And he's also he's a lot older. He's spent a lot of time on the injury shelf just not fighting. And he's 34 now. He is old in the sport now. By your definition, Robert, um, I, I'm very excited about the prospect of him fighting at 205 and how he does here. I think his body and his physique is well-suited to 205. I think you would agree. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, Luke Rockhold is an enormous he's human huge. being. He's huge. He's what, 6'4", 6'3"? I'm not. I'm not saying he's the perfect fighter to match up with and beat John Jones, but um, 
he'd be an interesting fight for John Jones. I would like I would like to see that, but it depends. He's got to be able to beat guys like Blahovich. Yeah, and, and guys guys on this level, an Anthony Smith level, a Tiago Santos level. So we'll see. Yeah, I I expect him to win here. I think he's a better striker, better kicker than Blahovich. Much better grappler, and Blahovich is a good grappler. He is a good grappler. I, I, I'd, I'd say it's probably one of his stronger a- attributes. But let's be honest, Rockhold. I mean, his right at middleweight, he was no slouch on the ground. It's, it's rock. I mean, he gained a bit of steam because he started because he figured out he was a really powerful kicker. But yeah. grappling is where he kind of makes it, made his bread and butter. He smashed Machida on the ground. Smashed. Oh yeah, that was that was brutal. Submitted Bisbing in their first fight. Um, even though I thought he lost mauled, that fight, mauled Weidman on the ground once it got there, he lost, he lost the fight. He did an excellent job of neutralizing, uh, Jacare's, uh, grappling work in their first fight in their yeah. in 2011. Yeah. Jacare could not get anything going in that fight for a long right. time. Right. And to me, I think to be able to do that against Jacare, who's probably one of the best grapplers in this sport, you have to be a pretty good grappler yourself to be able to do that. Yeah. Rockhold on the mat is, I think that's where he's at his best is if he's in top position on, on that's the where he beat Wyman. That's where he won the title. And I, I think he'll beat Blahovich here. I mean, again, I don't have anything against Blahovich. I think he's, again, I think he's a bit underappreciated relative to what he's achieved yeah. and how good he is, but I think he's here yeah. to be a good higher level test for Rockhold in this division. And it's one yeah, I think everyone expects he here. He's back in the running. That's true. It would be, it would probably be the single biggest win of his career. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, the next biggest, I mean, his next biggest would be what? Krylov maybe, or, uh, the manual rematch. I don't know. One of those two. Right, and kicking off the main card, hot opener. Diego Sanchez is still hot alive, opener. and we'll be fighting Michael Chiesa. Diego Sanchez is still alive and on a two-fight winning streak in the UFC. In 2019. Like 2019. Coming off of his first win. Oh my god! His first finish. His first finish since Luigi Fioravanti back in 2008. Mickey Gall is terrible. Um, I got Michael Chiesa here. I mean, unless he gets cut badly, which has happened to him in the past. Chiesa should win this, but he has made dumb mistakes in the past. Well, he's also cuttable. I mean, the Lozon fight, for example, he, he was coming on really strong in that fight and then just got cut open by an elbow that caused the stoppage. But he looked, um, and look, it was Carlos Condit. He looked good and he, he looked really good. Like he annihilated Carlos Condit. I mean, he looked good in, uh, in the Pettis fight before the lo- before the loss, and, and that and he struggled with the weight cut for that fight. Right. I mean, a, he also is a very good wrestler and grappler, and he has good submissions. Yeah, I've got Kiesa here, and you don't want to you don't want to go you you're not rooting for for Diego. I have never rooted for Diego Sanchez. Oh come on, never. He could go three and zero here. It's possible. Crazier things have happened. Lifetime. Look, he'll win here. He'll say he wants another title fight. Man, Gilbert Melendez is still fighting. Yep. Be still my beating heart. 
And still trying his hand at featherweight. You know, if you want, I this might be a bit of a throwback, but I wouldn't hate a rematch between Melendez and Sanchez. But they're now just such polar opposite weight classes. It's probably not. It's not Melendez really going to happen. Not won a fight since that fight with Sanchez in October 2013. Spent a lot of time on the shelf too. I mean, he had a long layoff. Uh, plus the uh, the the he had. How long did he get for the? Metabolites. Uh, about a year. I think that was okay. pre-USADA. I think that was just before you, before or just after USADA, I believe. Yeah. And it might have been like after they announced it, but before it went into effect. Right, kind of right. So it might have been under the old, retroactive to the old rules. Yeah. Kind of like. It was only out for about a year. <sighs> Coming off of that loss to Jeremy Stevens, uh, he got brutalized in that fight, man. That was a rough fight. I feel like Melendez signed that last contract. And he mentally checked out of the sport. Yeah, I I like Arnold Allen. He's a guy who I think has some pretty serious potential. He's what five and zero in the UFC, something like that. And uh, the, that Mach one Amir Khani fight should not have been split. Um, that's yeah. I, I think he's going to destroy Melendez. I think he's going to win here. He's Allen's a one of the solid prospects in the sport right Melendez, now, especially at featherweight. Melendez was once one of the best fighters in the world. One of the best lightweights. That was years. Oh ago. god, that was years. There, I remember because I, I can remember these discussions about him in his prime and BJ Penn in his prime, and right. how those two would have matched up because that would have been a. But, the last time he was a top five fighter was when Anthony Pettis was champion. So, yeah, it's been a while. Uh, next up, this was supposed to be Marlon Vera against Sean O'Malley, but Sean O'Malley with more drug test issues. Surprise, surprise. Is fighting to be decided. Uh, it's. I think I have a new list listing for this, actually. He's fighting now. I. Uh, this might be a joke because I'm on wiki. Uh, he's listed as fighting Olaf Sacco. And so again, this might be a joke that I'm just not aware of. Mr. Sacco? I don't know. I don't know if Mr. Sacco has a first name other than Mr. I wonder Mr. what McCauley thinks of this fighter. Uh, they're going to sue him for gimmick infringement. Uh, let me see here. Let me check topology. That's usually a better... Yeah, that doesn't have... Okay, so... They, at the moment, they're still at a minimum indicating, and there's been no official removing of him, of uh, Vera, from the card. So they're still trying to get him a fight. And, and I feel pretty comfortable picking Vera in the dark against a lot of people. He's uh, His record does not reflect kind of how good he is. I mean, he's... He's I mean, on a winning streak. On a three-fight winning streak. I'm, Has I mean, eight he, wins in the UFC, so... I mean, his yeah, his last two losses were to Douglas Silva de Andrade and John Lineker, and those are you know, pretty top-shelf op- opposition. Yeah. So, Vera in the dark is a pretty safe pick. Uh, women's strawweight, Claudia Gedalia. in the UFC, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Uh, anyway, next up, we have Gedalia versus Randa Marcos. Uh, poor Gedalia, man. Not a, I don't know what it is, whether it's the constant weight cutting, whether it's or but she has not been on a good run lately. I mean, she lost one fight. Uh, 
Yeah, but she also she barely got by Esparza, and then before that, she got brutalized by Jessica Andrade. Well, these are some of the. I mean, again, Andrade, oh, current champion. Andrade, fair enough. These are some of the tougher women of the division. But and man, good. she just did not look all that good against Esparza, and then Ansaroff just kind of ran her around in circles. Well. Anyway, she's fighting Randa Marcos. Marcos. Is not, she, Randa Marcos is not going to win this fight. Uh, Randa Marcos, who has perpetually gone win-loss, 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 with the odd draw thrown in there during her UFC run. Uh, I don't know, man. Randa, can, Randa Marcos has only been, done just well enough to stay in the UFC. To me, she's not a UFC-caliber fighter. I can see the argument, but she also can at least fight for all three rounds. Not that good, though. Whereas Gedalia has about seven minutes. Even that fight with Carla Esparza, like, it... I'm not saying it was a fluke, but, like... I mean, she has gone win-loss, win-loss since the draw to Rodriguez. Ever since she she debuted in the UFC in 2014. To me, that's not a good record, Robert. I'm sorry. It's not great. Because the the opposition, let's see. Some of them are decent opponents, but look, Jessica Panay, Carolina Kovalkiewicz, decent opponent. Courtney Casey, Alexa Grasso. Uh, Nina and Sarah. What would you consider Nina and Sarah? I don't know. I have a hard time getting a handle on Ansaroff because she's but, clearly well, skilled. Her record is 9-6-1. and one. That's not a very good record to me. No, it's not. Uh, yeah. Picking Gedelia. I mean, I should pick Gedelia. Unless Gedelia just shows out of shape, having trouble with the wake up, maybe. I mean, even when she, even when her weight cuts on point, she still, again, only has you know a round and a half of action before she gasses. Right. Okay, you know what? I'm going to officially make one of the dumber predictions I can make. I'm going to predict a draw. You know what? I don't think it's a terrible pick, honestly. I think uh, I think Adelia wins the first round, barely edges the second, and then loses a 10-8 third. Right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay, next up, Alejandro Perez will fight Song Yadong. Uh, Turbo here is coming off that loss to Cody Stamen, uh, Staman. Excuse me. Uh, Perez had a really solid run going, actually, prior to that loss. Only had one loss in the UFC. Now only has two. Uh, beat Eddie Wineland before that. Finished Matthew Lopez. Uh, and he's... Okay, he's got some skill, and Yid- and uh, Song Yudong is on a really solid run. He's what three and zero in the UFC. Couple of finishes. Uh, he Chinese? Yes, I couldn't. Re- uh, I should have known that just from hearing his name. But for some reason, I spaced on whether or not he was Chinese or one of the other Korean guys that they're that the UFC is kind of speculating on. Uh, this should be an action fight. These two, uh, both guys, are action fighters. I've seen more from Perez, so I'm going to lean towards him, but uh, sleeping on Song Yudong is a pretty 
catastrophic error. The man has some power, especially for bantamweight. All right. So anyway, I'm looking forward to that one, actually. That's a really solid bantamweight fight. Then on to Fight Pass, where we have Edmund Shabazian and Jack Marshman. I don't know why the UFC is kind of handling Shabazian the way they are, but he gets another kind of he gets another softer touch. And Jack Marshman is a really great regional level fighter, but a really mediocre UFC fighter. Uh, then at welterweight, Ismail Narudiev will fight Chance Rencounter. Narudiev's fought in the UFC before. I'd be willing to bet I know his name. Because he's... He's that Austrian guy. Yeah, yeah, he had that really great win over Michel Prezerich in his UFC debut. I go with Narudiev, actually. He impressed me a lot in that fight. And kicking everything off, Julia Avila will fight Panny Kianzad. Is this Avila's UFC debut? She's 6-1. and one. I think it is. Coming in, from, uh, she had one fight in Invicta. Uh, Kianzad has really struggled in the UFC. Uh, uh, Oh, she got cut. Yeah, she lost to Macy Chason in the finale of The Ultimate Fighter and was immediately cut. Won a fight outside the UFC. Is back in, apparently. Uh, I'll go with Avila. The UFC seems to want to be using Kianzad as a springboard for other fighters at this point. But that's your group of prelims. So, Jeff, any other thoughts on those fights? Nope. Alrighty. Yeah, the main card, really solid. The rest of it, a little hit or miss on paper. So Saturday, I will have coverage of that event, assuming it doesn't go all go catastrophically wrong and the whole thing get canceled. They've built in some pretty solid redundancies here, but, uh, you know, Conor McGregor jeopardized an entire card by throwing a dolly at a bus, so crazy stuff. But Saturday, we'll have coverage of that in the MMA Zone of 411 Mania, so stop by, say hello. Always appreciated. All right, uh, I think the... Big thing I wanted to talk about as far as news goes, really slow news week, but the UFC has announced the majority of the fights for uh, UFC on ESPN 5. This will take place in Newark, New Jersey on August 3rd. Your main event, I believe still interim welterweight champion Colby Covington, or did they actually strip him of that? I can't remember specifically. I think they did officially. Yeah, they did strip him. Okay. They stripped him when they, I think they booked uh, Woodley versus Till, as I recall. Uh, Usman. I think it was the Usman oh, I think, when they did it. I, I think he was stripped after, before, even before. He just kept calling himself champ, though. Yeah, fair enough. Also, uh, Covington's last fight was over a year ago. Yeah, and he will be meeting... Former champion Robbie Lawler in the main event. Uh, you know, relevant fight. I don't get, but I mean, okay. I mean, you know, if Robbie Lawler still wants to fight, you know, what else are you going to do? I mean, I don't get why Covington is taking this fight after everything he's done. A few people have made some noise that uh, he needs the money. I can kind of buy that, but I mean, if that was the case, why not accept the fight? Why didn't he accept the fight with Usman earlier this year? 
Uh, he had um, he had some kind of surgery that prevented him from. I thought being that medically was clear. I don't know. I'd have to double check the timeline. I mean, I, I did he I, need that surgery, or was it like like an elective surgery? I don't know. I don't know how you'd qualify one thing over the other necessarily because, like, I mean, different insurance companies will qualify I mean, stuff. Like, I once heard that Cormier needs like most like most of his what is it ACL? Is he's, got, he's got like one knee, yeah, that is pretty torn up. But his doctor basically said you only have. Even though it's this bad, you only have to get it if you wanted to, basically. Oh, like all, almost all like knee surgeries until you're talking about full-blown replacements are can be right. categorized as electives. Right. Depending on your insurance company. But, kind of thing. like, I once read that Cormier's, like, ACL was, like, three-fourths of the way gone, basically. Wouldn't surprise right. me. Any, right. But look, my point is he continued fighting. Even though it was that bad, he continued fighting with it, became champion in two divisions with it, and that's an ACL. Which, if that tears, like you're out for like forever. Eh, maybe, maybe not. I mean, the thing about a torn ACL is once it's torn, it's just torn. Right. I mean, Rey Mysterio's one of his knees is just like it won't even fully extend or retract. Right. And just he knows he needs it replaced, but he won't do it until he's done wrestling. <laughs> Who do you favor in this fight at this point? Oh, geez. At this point? I mean, Lawler has a pretty good track record of dealing with guys like Covington, but... Except Ben Askren. Sure. But, I mean, even then, like... Entire, the, well, the number of, Even then, the number of people that he would have finished with that slam and punches is a really high number. Brent Askren is incredibly tough. I'm picking Covington because... Chaos... Yeah, that's kind of why. <laughs> uh, Uzdemir versus Ilor Latifi, whatever. Eh. Uh, Jim Miller and Clay Guida are going to fight two old men. But they've you're, never, they've UFC, never fought before. Your UFC sort of legends fight. Uh, I kind of like Miller there, actually, but I'm probably going to feel stupid about that later. Uh, yeah, we the rest of that card, we don't have a bout order yet, but oh, God, why? Oh, Sorry. Uh, Shevchenko versus Pudalova. Uh, yeah, Antonina Shevchenko and Lucy Pudilova. Hey. Um, oh, that's Shevchenko's sister. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Pud- Mirchart is still in the UFC. I mean, he wins enough to stick around. Yeah. Uh, the one that surprises me is Kennedy and Chukwu because, good God, I remember his fight with uh, Paul Craig. It was terrible. He was terrible. Um, it's not the most enticing card. It's really not like going down the rest of this. Um, Ramazan and even Claudio Silva is not a bad fight. It's not even that top heavy. No. Because um, look, nothing against Covington. He talks a good game. He's not the most. He's he's uh, not a proven box office commodity. Well, the other thing, he's not the most entertaining fighter, shall we say? And I think you would agree with that, Robert. Yeah, I would agree with that. And Lawler has also been very kind of not great lately. I kind of feel like Lawler's kind of hitting a wall. And look. Well, I mean, given as many years and as many miles as that guy has in the sport. He's he's 37 years old. He's not a young man. Well, and geez, when did he start fighting? Like Lawler started in 2001. 
Yeah. He's been fighting for 18 years. Been fighting and luck. I'm not saying he needs to retire, but I think he needs to start thinking about his exit strategy at the at very a, least. At a minimum, yeah. So anyway, yeah, we have you can find again the full fights that have been announced. We don't have a bout order set up yet from the well, UFC, but the fight in the UFC was the year the first Spider-Man movie came out, same month and year. Ugh, now first, I feel old. The first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie, not even. I, any- I knew what you meant. <laughs> I feel old now. Thank you. Well, we're all old. Also true. Um, let's see. The UFC 240 got a few other fights announced for it. Uh, the main event for that is Holloway and Edgar. But Chris Cyborg, the last fight on her oh, UFC man. contract, will take that place there. She's fighting Felicia Spencer. Uh, I Holloway and Edgar, please don't get hurt this time. Yeah, that would be nice. If either of them get hurt, I'm going to be very angry. That's all I'll say. I'll throw a table. Fair enough. Not at someone. I'll throw it at the air. How does that sound? Well, you're, guaranteed, you're guaranteed to make contact. Because, like, this fight is sort of getting to be like a Ferguson-Habib situation, right? Yeah, they've only tried it, I think, twice. Has it only been twice? They might have only tried it the one time, actually. I'd have to double check. I feel like they've matched up at least twice. I know it's been talked about a lot. This is the third time. Okay, so third. Fairly positive. This is the third time. Yeah, this is the third. If it were to fall apart after three times, I would be furious. Eh, I, I don't, I mean, I don't hate the fight, but I'm not emotionally invested in it. Uh, Cyborg is fighting Felicia Spencer. Who beat yeah. Megan Anderson in her last fight. Yeah, again, this is not a great card. Um, Oliver, yeah, uh, uh, I guess uh, they're giving Cyborg maybe a hopeful gimme before a rematch with Amanda, maybe. Well, this is the last fight on Cyborg's contract, so. Oh. Uh, maybe she'll go to. Either the- that or they're ushering her out the door. We'll see. Um, Olivier Obama and Armin Sarukian might be fun. Sarukian had a surprisingly good performance in his debut. I think he lost the fight. And I feel like Abon Mercier is like a pretty decent, like decent fighter, not a world beater. Yeah, he's I'll just, uh, I mean, he's on a two fight losing streak. So he's, you know, he needs to kind of, needs get to get here. but I mean, other Eric than Coke. that, Eric Koch is on this card. Oh my God. New breed. Eric Koch. He fought last year, but that was, a. Uh, Almost a year and a half ago at this point. And Bobby Green just kind of <laughs> styled on him. Yep. Uh, he's ba- he's trying his hand at welterweight this time around. Uh, I mean, really, the next best fight on this card after I think the top two is probably Alexandre Pantoja and Davison Figueredo. Yeah. Which is going to see the loser cut, almost certainly. I mean, both guys are coming off of losses, which is you know, a rare thing to stick around in the UFC at this point. If that- oh, no, sorry, Pantoja won. Coke was matched up to fight Jose Aldo for the featherweight title. That was going to be a thing. I remember that. Never happened. And he never recovered. Uh, let's... I think he won the fight, but man. Got to suck. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, I think that's it as far as major fight announcements that have come out over the last little bit. Uh, there's still a bunch of events in October that we don't have uh, locations or venues for. Like all of almost all of October, uh, actually. Here's something interesting. Uh, Gastelum, they're looking at Jack Hermanson in November. Not officially yet, though. Uh, Gastelum did post recently that he's fully healthy again after the after that war with Adesanya. Yeah. Uh, good lord, that fight. But he seem he does seem he lo- he's going to be looking to get something else in this year. And you know, he and Hermanson would be a fine number one contenders fight. I mean, Hermanson coming maybe, off of the win over Jacare. Maybe not number one contenders, but it's a it's a high level fight for the division. Yeah, definitely. Uh, let's see. What else do we have here? Um, France. Well, the country will finally legalize MMA. Uh, it's been it illegal. Took, it, it took less time for for New York to happen. Yeah, it was a time where I thought it was never going to happen with New York. Yeah, it was it was inevitable. It just was going to take forever. Um, so yeah, France apparently voted on that over the last week, and in 2020, it will be legal in their country to host MMA events. So yeah, uh, good for yeah. them. So maybe they'll give Ngannou his title shot in France. <laughs> that would uh, that would be something. Um, all right, the last thing I have here is Jose Aldo has apparently inked a new contract with the UFC. According to Dana White, True. is this is this official? I I think that's what we have. I'd have to double check, but Dana okay. doesn't usually say they've something that legally binding in public. If there's not, if he doesn't have reason when to I believe heard that, it's true. I was like, what? Uh, I, again, this is. I'm a little surprised because Aldo was talking about, you know, retiring, but well, it could have been public negotiation, it, it too. So It wasn't the first time. Also true. So Aldo's apparently uh, inked a new deal, and you know what? I, I love watching Jose Aldo fight. He's so. been soccer before. He's been at odds with the UFC before and talked about retiring, so it's he's had a couple things like this. And... Uh, a contract with the UFC is surprisingly not all that valuable in some respects because the well, UFC can, well just because the UFC can cut you basically whenever for whatever reason. But what like, like that's I, it, it's just hard for me to wrap my head around when he was talking about retirement and was apparently at one point happy with what he was getting paid. Like and then the UFC turns around and, and re-ups him. Like, it had to have been a significant... Like, it had to have been, like, really significant, like, real money, right? Or some other kind of consideration that we're not aware of that he really Maybe wanted. not money, but, I mean, for him to... Because this is... I mean, eight fights, that could be several years, Robert. I would be surprised if he fights all eight before he retires or he gets well, cut. If he hypothetically he does, and then yeah, that's several years. That's another like five years. I'm just trying to wrap my head around why he would do that. It had to have been, and then from the UFC's part, do you want to even make the play to keep Jose Aldo for some real? borderline FU money. If you're Dana White, do you want to do that, Robert? A guy who's been talking about retiring. 
and whose best days are probably behind him. I don't know. I I genuinely don't know, but the it's UFC it's also it's values Brazil as a market. I know this is what if, and I know this is hypothetical, but if you're Dana White, do you want to re-up Jose Aldo for big-time money? If it is big-time money for eight fights. If he's going to continue fighting and I value the Brazilian market, and I know that the Brazilian market is cool, is cool right now because they're lacking, they haven't had someone really to catch right. fire. Yeah, I can see the investment paying off. Okay. Again, like there, there now, might be some, now, there might I be a specific can, dollar amount that I wouldn't take. Now, but. look, I can understand that if there are the, if the numbers are there, and someone's like, and, and someone in the financial department's like, this is how well Aldo does for us in Brazil, and we don't have anyone else quite as good as that right now. I can kind of see that. Why that decision, but. It's even all taking all that into account. Robert is still gobsmacked, and I think you would agree. I I thought he was on his way out when he said it. I expected him to be done. Uh, this this was a little bit surprising when the news I mean, came look, out. He lost the title. He rematched for the title. He lost both those fights. He seemed content. Yeah, when he said, "I'm going to have my last three fights this year in Brazil and then be done," and he was, I don't know. Made sense to me. And look, he was doing well. Other than... Um, I mean, he lost to Volkanovski, but yeah. I mean, he beat Stevens, and then he... Maybe he wasn't happy, maybe he wasn't happy with losing that fight to Volkanovski, because he didn't get finished. He no, but he also pretty clearly lost. So he, yeah, did. he, he didn't do... Maybe he, felt, maybe he felt disappointed with that. And he doesn't want well, to I think he was still planning on one more after that. It was going to be like Moicano, Volkanovski, and then the third one at the, on the November card I mean, was going to be his last. Look, Moicano and Stevens were top contenders when they fought. Yep, and he done shut them both down violently. Yeah. Uh, the Stevens fight was his first. That was his first stoppage since I think the uh, the Korean Zombie fight. Yeah. And that even that was not that great of a stoppage. I don't know. I I always get a perverse pleasure out of watching him kick Jung's shoulder after it's separated. Okay. Because I'm weird like that. Well, so yeah, it's true. He might not fight all those fights, but we'll see. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it's full on eight. But he's even but that he's even sticking around through two thousand. You know, after nineteen is a little bit surprising to me. Not many surprising. Okay. Uh, what else? Is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Nope. All righty, then let's. Thing. Okay, then let's get into plugs here. So you've been off for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I imagine yeah. you have a fair bit to mention to the listeners. So what would you like to plug? Spider-Man: Far From Home. That review is up right now. You don't have to wait until Tuesday. You can go to four one one mania. dot com slash movies and check out my official review of Spider-Man: Far From Home. Rough first half in that film, Robert. Have you? So you haven't seen it yet. It's a rough first half. I have not yet seen it, no. Um, I enjoyed the second half a little bit more. I don't know how you feel about Homecoming. I thought it was... I was okay with it. I thought it was largely saved by both mm. Tom Holland and um, Michael Keaton, primarily. I'm kind of very open to the idea of a new director coming on to Spider-Man right now, if we get a third movie. I really wouldn't mind it at this point. 
Is it the same director from the first movie? It is John Watts. Okay. I even after even just after Homecoming, I would have been okay. I would have been I would have been right there. I kind of want a new director, new writers to try their hands at Peter and Spider-Man. But overall it was decent. I don't know how you feel about Captain Marvel, but kind of on that level to me. I really did not care for Captain Marvel. Well, well yeah, so and that's also that's also fun too. So check that out. Also check out my review of Toy Story Four, which I thought was wonderful. I know you didn't care for it, but I loved it. I didn't care for it on a personal <laughs> level. On a technical level, I don't have a whole lot of complaints about the filmmaking. Okay. Um, and I was very skeptical going in about this. So check that out. Check out my uh, columns, my previews from E3. And next up uh, will be maybe a little bit from Anime Expo, and then uh, after that is Comic Con. So, also uh, for my podcast, for my four one one wrestling podcast, most recently was uh, first uh, Ethan Page, which is up now on the YouTube channel four one one Mania. Uh, so check that out, everybody. As for me, it should be relatively straightforward. Uh, last week, Mark Radlich, Alexis Hayne, and I reviewed Toy Story 4. So you can listen to us talk about that, the positives, the negatives, so on and so forth. Uh, this week, I'm still hoping for a last-minute reprieve from having to watch Jessica Jones Season 3. But the plan right now is for Mark and I to review that. Uh, again, I... Ugh, season... I, I didn't... I didn't enjoy season one all that much, but I knew it, but I could very easily see the quality of season one. Season two, just what a mess, what an absolute mess. So we'll see about that, uh, but be on the lookout for it. Uh, Mark and I talking about that. So, and then Saturday, of course, UFC 239. And next week, we'll be back here to review UFC 239 and to preview... <laughs> previewing one of just the worst cards just one of the it's a terrible card in so many ways uh fight night uh, 155 the ufc on espn plus 13 jermaine durandamy versus aspen lad as your main event um the return of former flyweight champion nico montano now up at bantamweight because the weight cut was a big deal for her. Um, Uriah Faber coming out of retirement. It's a, it's a bit of a ho-hum card, uh, quite frankly. It's a lot of the Sacramento guys getting a lot of fights. They're like, hey, please win this fight. But we'll give you a full rundown next week, and we'll talk about whatever fallout there is from uh, UFC 239, assuming the card holds together, because... International Fight Week has, has had some major fall apart uh, for the main or co-main on like every year for the past three or four years. It's kind of it's kind of a tradition. So, and both John and Amanda Nunes have had last-minute issues in the past. Now watch it be you know uh, Santos just because bucking the trend. But we'll be back next week to give you a review, a preview, and all the news of the week as we normally do. Until next time, I think that's it for everyone else. So on behalf of Jeff, I am Robert. Thank you all so very much for listening. Stay safe out there. And please continue to be well, be safe, and behave.